Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. On today's broadcast, Andrew will be sharing about the importance of having a biblical worldview. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. And today I have something really special for you. Some of you know that we've been doing series now on biblical worldview. We've finished our first series, which was this here on foundational truths. And today we're starting biblical worldview dealing specifically with sexuality. I tell you, our nation, our world actually is in a crisis and so confused. People don't even know which gender they are. They don't understand family. And I tell you, this is just a crisis issue. It's going to be a hot topic. We've got 10 different teachings in this and different teachers actually ministering. And today you're going to get to hear Alex McFarlane. He's a man who's become a good friend of mine. He's actually coming to work with us. He's helping us institute biblical worldview into our Caris curriculum. And Alex has held over a thousand Uh, biblical worldview conferences. He's kind of a, this is a specialist. And so he's contributing. We've got other people that'll be speaking into this. But today I want to play you just the very first introductory teaching on biblical worldview sexuality by Alex McFarlane. It's going to be more detailed than what you will see on our program today. This will be just kind of a tease. And at the end of the program, I'll come back on and tell you how you can get all of this material, including our original biblical worldview set. So stay tuned. And at the end of the program, I'll be back. How do you see the world? We all see with our eyes, don't we? And some people have different qualities of vision. We're going to talk about how we see the world and specifically the term we're going to use is world view. Hi, my name is Alex McFarland and I am so excited to be here on the campus of Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College. So excited about filming what I believe is a very, very important uh, body of content and a topic worldview. We're going to talk about what is worldview. You may have heard that term. It's being used a lot these days. The biblical worldview, what is a specifically Christian worldview? And we're going to talk about one part of worldview, which is human sexuality and some ways that that's been distorted and how it's impacting people's lives very negatively, how it could enrich people's lives very positively, and why worldview matters specifically on this topic of human sexuality. And I want to say what an honor it is to be working with somebody that I've followed for years, respected so much, and someone whose ministry has deeply impacted my own life, Andrew Womack. He has become a close friend and is such a blessing. And I've had the privilege of coming here to teach at Karis Bible College quite a number of times over the last four or five years. And it is the most exciting Christian school that I know anything about here in North America. And so if you're watching this, obviously you know about the ministry and you've also have been touched by this ministry. But let me encourage you as, as an outsider coming in, I'm so thrilled to see what God is doing here. And I'm so thrilled to meet people from across America and around the world who are getting equipped 
to know the gospel, to know the Word of God, to do ministry and to evangelize and disciple people. And the Caris alumni are going out around the world to fulfill the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ to make disciples of all nations. So pray for this ministry. Stay engaged, stay involved, and what God is doing here can be a great part of what God is doing in your own life and your own ministry. And I enthusiastically recommend this ministry to you. And you know, I think proof that God's hand is really on this ministry is that uh, Pastor Andrew had the vision to do a series on worldview. Some months ago, he gathered myself and some other uh, beloved colleagues together and we begin to pray. We begin to pray for a move of God in America and Andrew began to talk about worldview. And I feel like this is very uh, important and just a little of my backstory, I became a Christian at age 21 and I was a college student when I got saved. And I was going to a secular university back east And most of my friends, in fact, all of my friends at that point were not believers. And most of my professors that I sat under, and even though this was 30 years ago when I got saved, but I could tell instantly as a young believer that what I was hearing in the classroom was not at all in harmony with what the Word of God said. In fact, I had professors 30 years ago that seemed to delight in causing young people to question not only the Bible and Christianity, but the very idea that God exists. Many of my professors were atheists and agnostics. And here we are in the 21st century now, and so much of secular education and the secular media and the influences in culture, Hollywood and media and pundits and celebrities and people that are the influencers, so many of them come at life from a decidedly non-biblical worldview, even maybe an anti-biblical worldview. And as a young believer 30 years ago, I began obviously to read the Word of God. That is the primary book. But I began to read other writers as well, some of whom have gone on to be with the Lord, people like Chuck Colson and Tim LaHaye, and others, and I begin to realize as a young Christian that we are in a battle of worldview. Now, worldview is what we believe, and what we presuppose, what we assume about the big questions of life, definitely influence how we live and how we behave. Some of the big questions, origin, purpose, destiny. Origin, where did we come from? Purpose, why are we here? Destiny, where are we going? And so what we're going to do is look at some of the answers that have been set forth, and I want to give a definition of worldview. And remember, it's the lens through which you see reality. If you assume there is a God, then that's going to shape what you believe about the importance of human life, about ethics and morality, how should we live? You know, are are there some things that are absolutely wrong and should never be done? Are there some things that are absolutely right, virtues? and things that are moral and good and true that we should affirm. And part of the reason that I think our culture teeters on the brink of anarchy today, and and we're seeing little pockets of lawlessness erupt in America and in parts of Europe, that Europe is about 50 years ahead of us in its erosion of Christianity and, frankly, its abandonment of God. We're seeing in places like parts of France much, much lawlessness. And they say there are parts of England and Europe where there are the no-go zones. Even the police don't generally go in some of these neighborhoods because it is just too dangerous. Why? 
because they've lost Christianity. They've lost their moral foundation. That's true. But a different worldview has moved in where the Christian worldview has vacated. You know, there's an axiom in science that nature abhors a vacuum. Wherever there's an empty space, a vacuum, something will rush in to fill it. I mean, if you don't weed your garden, then then weeds and vines and poison ivy will take it over. And if you leave a fish aquarium uh, unattended, it'll get stagnant. If there's not a positive light and truth in a culture, then into that vacuum will come things that are dark and negative. And in America, how we've lost the foundations of a Christian worldview is something we're going to touch on in this program and our time together. But I would submit to you, um, obviously, if you're a Christian, you understand that people need Jesus Christ. And, and we are to make disciples of all nations, and we are to present, explain, and defend the gospel. If you're a believer, you know that. But I would submit to you, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're a non-believer, it is in your best interest to care about the preservation of a Christian worldview. Why? Because even uh, non-Christians benefit from the presence of Christianity in a culture. Christianity is like gravity. Uh, it's a benefit even if you don't understand it or even know about it. And Christianity is a positive, beneficial force in a culture, even for those that don't necessarily believe in Christianity. Where Christianity has gone throughout history in the world, uh, show me where Christianity is dominant in a culture, and you'll see things that uh, redound to the betterment of the human condition. Literacy, schools, hospitals, benevolence. It's been my privilege to travel as a minister around the world. I've been in third world countries, developing nations. You know, it's interesting whenever I'm in the deep interior of Africa or Zambia or South America, Peru, and you go into villages that are impoverished, developing nations, and you'll find wells. And, and you know, the wells were always dug by Christian ministries. I mean, Samaritan's Purse, Compassion International, or maybe the Red Cross, which was Christian in its uh, origin. Um, you know, I've never been in a developing nation or a, a, an impoverished country or, and find schools or hospitals built by American atheists or people united for the separation of church and state. You just don't do that because their worldview does not promote the betterment of the human condition. The, the worldview without God without a moral foundation, doesn't promote selflessness and sacrifice on behalf of others. Now, why does Christianity promote serving others? Why do we go and we reach the least and the lost and the helpless and the hopeless? Why are Christians so motivated to do things on behalf of others? Well, because we know this is part of our worldview, that all people are made in the image of God. And we know that when we give a cup of cold water in His name, it's as if we're doing it for Jesus Himself. And so the Christian worldview says that life is sacred because we're not the product of time plus chance plus the primordial soup. We didn't evolve just because of some evolutionary accident. We're made by a Creator God. We're made in God's image. In fact, mankind is so valuable to Almighty God and you too, you matter to Almighty God. You are valuable to God. So much so 
that He sent His only Son to be our Savior. And whoever believes in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. So the bad news is we're sinners and sin separates us from God. The good news, however, though, is that you matter to God and God loves you. And the Christian worldview says that we take the love of God around the world. Well, let's go to the beginning and let's talk about what is worldview. Worldview is the way we see reality. C.S. Lewis said this, that Christianity helped him understand the world. C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist up until he was almost 40, and he became a born-again believer, and as a writer, C.S. Lewis was one of the most powerful and significant defenders of the faith in the entire 20th century. And though Lewis has been dead for nearly 60 years, his books are still in print today, and he's very much worth knowing about. C.S. Lewis said, Christianity is like the sun. Not only do I see it, but by it I see everything else. And so it's important that the world know Jesus, but it's important that the church have a Christian that is biblically informed worldview. Now, about 30 years ago, there was a man named James Sire wrote a book called The Universe Next Door, and it will help you understand what worldview is. Now, in The Universe Next Door, Sire's premise was this. Somebody might live next door to you. Let's say your family is a Christian family, and you believe in God, and you believe in Jesus, and you believe the Bible is the Word of God. Wonderful. Next door lives a non-Christian family. Maybe on the other side, 25 feet away, live a Wiccan family, or a Buddhist, or a Hindu family. And Sire says that though they may just be your next-door neighbor, in, in what they think and how they see life, it's a completely different universe the universe next door. Now, Sire defined worldview as this, a set of assumptions about the basic makeup of the world. Now, let me parse it out a little more deeply. Worldview, according to Sire, is a set of assumptions which you hold, and you may hold them consistently or inconsistently. A set of assumptions that may be true, may be partially true, may be entirely false and you hold these assumptions about the basic makeup of the world. Now, what are some assumptions about life? Well, you might believe that there's a God. Maybe you believe it's the Trinity, the biblical God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't believe in God, or maybe you believe there was a God and He wound up the universe and cranked up the solar system and walked away. He doesn't intervene in the world. Maybe you believe that morality is absolute and it flows from the nature of God, which is Christianity. We believe that morality is not fluid. We don't make up what's right and wrong for ourselves. We know what's right and wrong because it's written on every heart and soul. But some worldviews are what we would call relativistic. Now, a relativistic worldview says that we all make our own truth. Uh, There is no objective truth. We're not objectivist. Objectivity, says the relativist, but we make up things for ourselves. Now, Christianity is not relativistic. It's a revealed faith, uh, not only written on our heart, but written on the pages of God's Word. But today, part of the reason that there's so much static in the culture, and part of the reason that so many people get very bent out of shape And they'll say, don't impose your morality on me, and you can't cram your religion down my throat. Some of the static in our culture 
is because while there have always been non-Christians in, in all cultures and certainly in American culture, for 240 years of American life, even the non-Christian, even the unchurched, still had a basic moral awareness. They believed in right and wrong and moral truth, but it's not like that today. And the way we got here is an interesting story in itself, and I want to talk about that. But basically, your worldview is going to inform what you believe about the origin of life, uh, were we created or did we evolve? Does life have a purpose or is it just random? Is it just accidental? Um, and if there is a creator, who is it? What is this God like? Now, one of the big questions that flows out of this very naturally is, you know, what is the purpose of life? And what is the ideal society? Thinkers as far back as, as Plato, you know, the Greeks, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, they wrote about what, what is the ideal society, the, the, the polis or the organization of a city, the body politic, and uh, what is the, the starting building block of society? Well, is it the family, the traditional, or what I would say natural home, marriage, a husband and a wife and children? That's the building block of a stable society, but nowadays, it's like everything is up for grabs and people want to reinvent like everything. Now, obviously, when you're talking about human relationships like marriage, invariably comes in the subject of human sexuality. What is the right or truthful view on sexuality? And my goodness, nowadays, many, especially secular university campuses, they would just push back against the idea that there is anything right or anything wrong. Let me say that worldview even affects our view of art, literature, music. I was in a music store not long ago. I was on the road and I was at a preaching event and I was going to play guitar for some of the praise music. And I went in a music store to get some guitar strings, actually. And uh, there, were, there were some kids talking to one of the clerks, and the clerk was a, a young adult, 20-something. And there were some drums and cymbals, and these kids were banging around just making a total racket uh, on, on these cymbals. But that's cool. Kids want to experiment with musical instruments. And so I was listening to the clerk talking to the parents, trying to sell musical instruments to their children. Anyway, the clerk was talking about uh, the noise they were making, and the parents said, well, you know, I don't know if our kids have any musical talent or not. That's not Beethoven, you know, because it was bang, bang, bang. And the clerk said, but it's every bit as good as Beethoven. And I thought, uh, well, let me, let me hear his take on this. He said, you know, music changes. There's Beethoven, the Beatles, you know, symphonies, rock and roll, piano, vocal. But you know what? There's no good or bad music. Good music is what's good to you. So think about this. Now, follow very carefully, please, as we talk about worldview, because we know, think about it, we know there are good actions, benevolent, loving, charitable actions. We know there are malicious, violent, painful actions. But in the world today, because so much of our culture has turned away from God, turned away from the idea that there is absolute truth, turned away from the idea that there is right and wrong, there is morality and immorality. So much of our culture doesn't even believe that anything is immoral. 
Let me explain how that even touches what we view about beauty and truth, art, literature, music. Because listen, when we praise an action or condemn an action, if we say this is good, that is bad, what we're actually saying in terms of worldview is that there is an ultimate standard of goodness, truth, beauty, virtue, love. Think about the highest superlatives you can muster. Goodness, love, truth, everything good, true, righteous, and holy. What's the embodiment of that? It's God. So when we say Billy Graham and Mother Teresa were good, what we're actually saying is their life, their words, their actions were closer to an ultimate objective standard of truth than were something else. When we say Adolf Hitler, Osama bin Laden, terrorism, genocide, that's bad. Feeding the orphan is good. Torturing the orphans are bad. Loving people is good. The ovens of Auschwitz were evil. The o- Listen, the only way that we can meaningfully say anything is good or anything else is bad is if there's an objective unchanging standard from which we measure. And you know, this touches art, literature, and music. Now imagine beautiful music or even just ordinary music. I think of the great symphonies. I think of Canon in D by Pachelbel, one of the most iconic pieces of music. It's played at so many weddings. Canon in D. You know, it's beautiful. Now, Canon in D, very lovely. Heavy equipment tearing up concrete. Not very pleasant to listen to. Why can we say Canon is beautiful and the noise of heavy machinery gives us a headache? Because what we're saying is one thing is closer to an ultimate standard of goodness, truth, and beauty than this other thing is. But in the world today, like the the clerk in the music store who said, you know, banging on the counter is every bit as valid as, you know, beautiful symphony. No, look, we can only discern goodness, truth versus evil and noise if there's an objective ultimate standard that never changes, in fact, it's eternal, that we measure against. And what I ask college students when I'm at campuses and they really push back against the idea of a Christian worldview, they really push back against the idea of God. I'll say, think about this. Before we throw out God, truth, morality, beauty, justice, virtue, before we throw that under the bus, ask yourself, do we really want a world where an Adolf Hitler is no different than a Mother Teresa? Because, I mean, that's what we would have. But you've got to understand, you might ask yourself, what is the incentive? What is the incentive to throw out God and a Christian moral worldview? Man, I know that that was a blessing to you. And remember that we are, we have this brand new series out on biblical worldview dealing specifically with sexuality. We're going to talk about transgenderism, about homosexual marriage, what is true marriage, marriage and divorce, uh, sexuality inside of a godly marriage, what, you know, are the bounds and things. And this is really a great teaching. Inside of here, you actually get 
a study guide that has all of the material, questions and things. This is great for you, but it's also specifically so that you can teach others. Then inside, we have this biblical worldview sexuality, and this is a little MP3 in here that has all of the audio portion on here. And then you also get a code or a... Uh, a passcode that you can go to our website and download all of the videos. So this is just a great resource. Remember that you can get a package of the Biblical Worldview Foundational Series as well as this Biblical Worldview on Sexuality. Listen to our announcer as he gives you the information and please take advantage of this. I promise you it would be a blessing. Today, Andrew's pleased to offer the next topic in the Biblical Worldview Series titled Biblical Worldview, Sexuality. In this series, Andrew's joined by Alex McFarland, Bill Federer, Dwayne Sheriff, Greg Moore, and Mike and Carrie Pickett as they outline the importance for every Christian believer to have a biblical worldview with regard to sexuality. Each of the 12 lessons includes a video, audio file, chapter lesson, and printable PDF wrapped in a single box set containing a workbook, audio USB, and personal access code to the online videos. Through the online platform, you'll have access to all of the videos and digital workbooks on your computer or smart device. You can get Biblical Worldview Sexuality today for only $120. Or you can receive Biblical Worldview Sexuality as part of the Biblical Worldview package which includes both installments from Andrew's Biblical Worldview series, Foundational Truths and Sexuality. This package has a catalog value of $240, but you can get them both today for only $197. Go to awmi.net to order these valuable resources today. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or you can call our helpline 24 hours a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Karis, an accredited Bible college in the beautiful town of Woodland Park, has been changing people's lives for over 25 years. The people here are so like-minded. They want to help you grow. These are people who genuinely care about you. They want the best for you. Be prepared to be blown away with the teachings. It's not just a season in your life. There's no way you can't change. You can't really go wrong going to a place that you get to sit and listen to the Word for four hours a day. Being under the Word that much just allowed God to pour so much into me. If you feel supernatural peace about coming to Karis, that's God. I know you're like, how, when, where, all these questions, just do it. The Lord will provide. I was doubting and second-guessing it, but when I took that step of faith, immediately, like, things were provided. Just being around like-minded believers, teachers who are there for you and ready to talk to you at any moment and answer your questions, there's just nothing like it. Just follow the leading of the one that you serve, and that's always going to be the right direction to go. Go to karisbiblecollege.org to register today. I'd like to ask you to pray about becoming a partner with us. You know, our ministry is based in the United States, but we have 16 offices around the world. We've got altogether around 70 Bible schools scattered around the world. So if you are looking for a good return on your investment, I believe that this is a good ministry. It'll touch you right where you are. 
And I encourage you to become a partner with us today and help us put the gospel out all around the world. Hopefully you've been stirred up, motivated to get involved, but you know what? We can't do this without God. We need God and we need Christians to stand up. I interviewed uh, Jason Yates and he said in the last election, there was 25 million registered Christians who didn't vote. We have to vote. If you don't vote, you are doubling the ungodly vote by you not casting a vote to counter. Go to truthandliberty.net for more information on how you can vote your values this November.